Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, the 20th chapter. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. You were too strong for me, and you triumphed. All day long I am the, lo- I am the object of laughter. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I must cry out. Violence and outrage is my message. The word of the Lord has brought me reproach and derision all day long. I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak his name no more. But then it becomes like a fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary holding it in. I cannot endure it. Yes, I have heard the whisperings of many. Terror on every side. Denounce. Let us denounce him. All those who were my friends are on the watch for any missteps of mine. Perhaps he can be tricked. Then we will prevail. Take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me. Like a, champ- like a mighty champion, my persecutors will stumble, and they will not prevail. In their failure, they will be put to their utter shame, to lasting, unforgettable confusion. Lord of hosts, you test the righteousness. You search the depths of my mind and my heart. Let me see the vengeance you take on them. For you have entrusted my cause. Sing to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. For the Lord rescues the poor from those who would do them wrong. May we receive blessing in the hearing of these words. So we are in this worship series called Heroes of the Faith. Heroes grab our attention. They inspire us. They make us brave and bold. They give themselves for others, and they change the world. And heroes of the faith are faithful. They don't personally have superpowers, and instead They cooperate with the real superpower of God. And then God does great things through them. But God's way is not always, you know, butterflies and rainbows. Because God deals with reality. God deals with real life. And sometimes real life is hard and disappointing. Years ago maybe about 20 years ago, I was working um, as a lobbyist down in the Idaho legislature, and I was working on a death penalty bill. And death penalty um, is an issue that has long been uh, something that's important to me, coming out of the conviction that every one of us is created in the image and likeness of God, and that we lack the capacity to wipe that out. And that life in prison with parole keeps us safe is a very viable option. Well, I was working on a bill to eliminate executing people who are mentally retarded, people who did not, could not cognitively understand what was happening. And so I was, I went down to the legislature and I shared with them, you know, some general 
uh, stuff about death penalty that it is today in this country exclusively a penalty for the poor. If you ever wonder that, look at some heinous crimes committed by people who had money to pay lawyers and they did not get the death penalty. It's expensive. It costs about three or four times more than life in prison without parole. It's supposed to deter, but statistics show that it doesn't. And with mental retardation, there is this extra element of of unfairness, of injustice, because people don't, who are mentally retarded, don't, you know, understand what's happening. There was a case of a person who was mentally retarded who was executed, and after the execution, they went back to his cell and discover that he had wrapped up his dessert to save for later. And so that's the bill I was working on. And I went to the committee hearing, and I presented these arguments, and the bill was voted down. Hard. And I thought, well, if if a bill to limit executing mentally retarded people fails, in committee, it doesn't even go to the floor, like, this is hopeless. And I was feeling hopeless, and I was feeling despair. I was, like, I felt called by God to work on this, and then it felt like God abandoned me in the work. And the the truth is, my despair around that issue was not unfounded. I don't know if the Idaho legislature has ever voluntarily curtailed use of execution. So I was feeling this deep despair, and I felt abandoned by God. And then I received an email from a member of the board, and it said, in the midst of this defeat, hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I will share with you a couple years later, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that mentally retarded people Um, could not be executed, that it was cruel and unusual because of their lack of capacity to understand. And the Idaho legislature did actually pass that bill when the U.S. Supreme Court ruling came down. Sometimes heroic acts are not about, you know, accomplishing what we think we're called to accomplish. Heroic acts are about showing up when it's hard. And today we are going to talk about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet from the prophet family. He, it was his job to speak for God. He was born in the 600 BCs, lived into the 500 BCs, and things were going badly. That promise to God had been broken over and over. Israel was to be the people for God, and God would be their God. And one of the commandments was, you shall have no other God before me. They kept worshiping idols. The king was worshiping idols. And so Jeremiah knew where this would lead. He knew that God was their defender in battle, and there were empires, they were coming, And Jeremiah could see where this was going. If God didn't defend them, there would be destruction. 
I forgot my little fancy pointer. So the people of God lived in Canaan. Assyria had already come about 100 years ago, wiped out the northern kingdom, completely wiped them out. Babylonia was rising as an empire, and Egypt was rising. And Canaan is right in the middle. Jeremiah saw what was coming. And so he was called by God to warn the people, to give them this word of warning, this massive judgment against the people, against his people and against his own religion. He was prophesying, we can call it telling the future, but it's telling the future like a parent who says to their child, if you don't do your homework, you'll get a bad grade. He was telling them what was going to happen if they kept worshiping idols. And he did his job well. He was confident, and he was unflinching, and he was harsh, and he was direct with the people. Devastation is coming, and God is our only protection. And it cost him to say it. The verses that Bob shared with us are his private lament to God. He did what God called him to do, but it cost him. He was in anguish. And he names how he felt called by God and that God promised to be with him and that he felt abandoned. When it finally came down to it, he felt abandoned. And he, as he's speaking these words that God is giving to him, people aren't responding with, yeah, that's right, we are God's people. And if we don't follow the commandments, destruction is coming instead They were hostile towards him. They were whispering against him. They were conspiring against him to get rid of him. Kind of reminds us of Jesus, who also spoke some words and inspired hostility. And in Jeremiah, we hear his despair, his anguish. He is in a no-win situation. God has called him, God has mandated this work, but given no visible support. He's actually in trouble because of his faithfulness. And we hear these words, you duped me, and I let myself be duped. I will speak in your name no more, but it becomes like a fire burning within me. And I grow weary holding it in. Jeremiah has only two options. Speak for God, and God does not support him. Or be silent and suffer, and God does not console him. His despair is strong, and it is well-founded. Devastation is coming, and God is their only hope. And then, even in the midst of Jeremiah's despair, we hear his trust in God. In the midst of the despair that God 
will provide a way out. He says, the Lord is with me. God is their only protection in the end. God is Jeremiah's only salvation. The people aren't listening. Brian? Okay. (laughs) The people aren't listening. Destruction is coming. And they're blaming the prophet for telling them rather than looking at their own actions. And then we get proof that Jeremiah is a real person and not some super being because we hear him say, let me see your vengeance. He's not going to take the vengeance. He knows that that's God's role. But you know, Lord, if you were, if you could just let me see it, that would rock. (laughs) Jeremiah is a real person. One of my biblical commentaries says, Jeremiah cannot find satisfaction in the public arena, nor in his social relations. He is finally driven to face the theological reality of his life and vocation. He is driven to God as the only source of comfort and strength. Jeremiah's life was a heartache. He was called to preach harshly to his own people. He served God faithfully. He warned people, and they did not turn, and Babylon did come. And Babylon did conquer them. Jeremiah survived the siege of Jerusalem in 587 B.C. He watched the city be destroyed and people being taken away in exile. Later, he himself was exiled to Egypt. And according to tradition, he died from being stoned by his own people. Jeremiah's lament was well-founded. And he still turned to God in the midst of all of it. Henry Nouwen saw these themes in the paintings of Vincent van Gogh. He said, the longer I live, the more I try to make sense out of my own struggles, the more I find Vincent to be a real companion. One of his favorite expressions was sorrowful but always rejoicing. His life and paintings illustrate the three components of the spiritual life. In solidarity, we cry out with those who suffer. In consolation, we feel deeply with those in pain. And finally, we offer comfort by pointing beyond our shared human pain to glimpses of strength and hope. Glimpses of strength and hope. In Jeremiah chapters 30 through 33, we get glimpses of strength and hope when we hear God speak through Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you, that God will save the people even sent into exile, that God will make a new covenant and write it within them, write it on their hearts. 
Jeremiah was a hero of the faith. He was brave, and he was bold, and he suffered. He is a hero for those times in our life when we feel despair. Despair that is well-founded. When we've received a health diagnosis that is terminal. When our spouse has died and they will not be coming back. When our child has died and they will not be coming back. When a mentally ill loved one may never improve. There are times in our life when our despair is real and well-founded. The spiritual mystics call this the dark night of the soul. And have you been there? Or are you there now? When life feels hopeless? Feels like God has abandoned you? People have abandoned you. In the end, the end that Jeremiah saw was not the end. He did not see God return the people to Jerusalem, but God did. For Jeremiah, in his lifetime, it seemed hopeless. And yet, Jeremiah trusted in God. And we can imagine Jeremiah hearing those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Jeremiah discovered that in the midst of his despair, God actually was there. And in the end, God was his only hope. When we find ourselves out of options, we too will discover that God is there. And like Jeremiah when things are that bleak, that God is our only hope. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, Go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.